Welcome to this episode of The Future of Schools, a podcast that explores how technology is impacting the classroom and talks to the people behind it. I'm Connor Flynn, your host and COO at Adaptomy, and today we're discussing the German education system in schools, and my guest today is the famous David Klett. Hi, David. Thanks for coming on the show. Hi, Connor. David, from, from your opinion, what do you think is going wrong with education at the moment? Okay, like, I mean, this is, a, this is my personal view, being a father of three children, so I have my first-hand experience with schools, but not, you know, in the perspective of a publisher, a businessman, more as a father. Mm-hmm. One aspect I think our educational system, at least here in Germany, is heading in the wrong direction is that STEM, STEM-related education becomes more and more important. Focus on that. And uh, let's say arts, literature, like these softer kind of subjects are getting, getting becoming less and less important. Mm-hmm. You can, there are several studies who are showing that step by step in the 16 different states of Germany, the administration tends to reduce the number of hours children can spend time with music or with art to have more time for new subjects or let's say coding or let's say math or something like that. I think that is, I, I can't believe that that, that, is the, that is the right direction we should move. I just wonder, like, will, will our children be happier citizens, more creative citizens, uh, if they are better in mass, but, you know, can't express their feelings um, the way music could help them to do so, or art. So that is one direction I'm, I'm, a, little bit, I'm a little bit afraid of, the, the stemification of education, in a sense. Okay, very good. And on the other side of that, what do you think is going right with education? I mean, this is uh, there in the eighties, for instance, in Germany. It started that uh, teachers are discussing more and more that the student should become um, the leading factor in how things are taught, how things are learned. So the idea is that the students become more and more the the one who decides uh, what to focus on, how to learn it, and especially that the student is creating something and that this creation of the student, what we call this um, Schülerprodukt, the product the student is creating when uh, he or she is learning that this product is used for pedagogical processes. So make the student a creator, make the student more responsible for what he what she is learning, and make the teacher as someone who supports this process and in a, in a smart way funnels in new aspects that are relevant that have to be learned and so on. So, and so there was a lot of discussion about this, especially in the eighties first for primary school um, and the primary school got reformed based on this idea. And what I see now more and more that this is step-by-step step over the years sinking in, like seeing the student not only as I don't know, something that absorbs a sponge more or less that has to absorb and then repeat what you presented to it and more to create and design situations in which students can become creators themselves where they have to collaborate to achieve things and then to use these active processes to uh, introduce knowledge, to introduce competencies, to introduce experience and so on. And I guess, yeah, this is a, this is, it wasn't a paradigm change. It's a small change that's happening, but it's happening more and more. 
And I think that's a very good development that fits much better into our times. It's very interesting to me that you are saying that, oh, the new thing that's happening or the, the positive thing that's happening in education is something that started 35, 40 years ago. Does that tell us something about the time frame of change in education? I, I guess that nothing is fast in education. Nothing changes fast in education. And I mean, it, it sounds very smart if people say, hey, uh, you hear that before, like, hey, imagine um, a doctor in the 19th century would land into a, in, in a hospital, in an ICU um, of today. What could he do? Nothing. But if he, if, he, if he came to a school or if a teacher from the 19th century would enter a school, he could, you know, just continue teaching as nothing happened. I mean, this sounds ultra smart and ultra cool. And somehow people are nodding and saying, yeah, that's totally true. But I think, I think it's just, it's, it's too simple. I guess like there is a truth about education. It seems to be, first of all, uh, that there is, uh, the, the most important thing is the relationship between teachers and students. Mm -hmm. I guess there are a lot of studies who are showing that um, the relationship, a good relationship, a trustful relationship between a teacher and a student is a basis for uh, a good development of the child and for, um, for good academic results. And I think that is a little bit different between, let's say, a surgeon and someone who needs to have a surgery. Therefore, I'm, I'm not sure if, if slow change must be a bad thing, because specific aspects in education, I believe, stay the same. And they are somehow, they will, and I think that's a good thing, they're, they're, these aspects will dominate education for now and forever. But I have to, I have to add here something. I guess this, what I'm saying, makes sense in very developed countries uh, like Germany or England or Ireland or maybe the U.S. I know about other countries, like, for instance, in India, where public, in public schools, you have 400 children and one teacher mm -hmm. uh, often. And this teacher has to yell into a microphone to talk to 400 <laughs> children in, in different age groups. This is a totally different thing. And everybody... I guess like everybody in India knows already where, where you have these kind of schools, everybody knows that this is dysfunctional and for instance, technology could make a difference there. Mm -hmm. So what I said before is more related to very developed, more or less well-working educational systems where you have like 20 students, 30 students and a well-educated, well-trained teacher together in the classroom. Like that is not what you will find everywhere else in the world. So in, you're thinking that in developing countries, the pace of change and the adoption of technology may be greater because they have different dynamics in the classroom, different resources um, available? I guess like um, maybe you'll see in me a dinosaur and I guess you as, um, as, as someone who, who believes very much in the advantages of techno technology and education, Maybe you don't want to hear this the way how I put it, but I believe the extra, let's say, improvement of technology in well-developed educational systems as we have them in Europe, especially Western Europe, I think that this added value can't be that high or will not be incredibly high compared to what education can do in countries where you don't have any teachers at all or where you have teachers that have no time to focus on the single student and that more or less just are used as emitters of knowledge. Mm -hmm. That is what I strongly believe. The difference, real difference uh, technology can make, I believe so far, is especially where teaching 
uh, and learning doesn't work because of the lack of resources, because of the lack of training, because of the lack of knowledge. And I guess you would find these more in less developed countries where uh, funds are not sufficient to build schools like we have them. And David, just for, I see that we're short on time here, but just if we're to look into the future here and on a positive, upbeat note, where do you think education is going? I believe that in general, we will have a broader discussion in European societies, what has to be taught in school for a world that is getting obviously more complex and also more unsecure. What do we have to give to students in the future that they are ready for this world? We all don't know exactly what the future will bring, but I guess we, have, we, we can know what, is, what makes students strong, what makes them flexible, what makes them uh, resilient uh, to what is coming down uh, the road towards us. I guess there will be a lot of discussions about this, and I can observe this here, and I can observe this in Holland, or especially in Denmark, to, to see that the role of the school in the future is also not only to create people who can be included into the workforce in a good way that make people productive, but that it's also, or even more important, to create or to help personalities to grow, to become strong, to be able to deal with the challenges life will bring in the future, that this is at the end the job of school. How can we make strong personalities that can deal with challenges and that can use the creativity? So I observed this at many points. I guess that at many places people are discussing how we can do this, how can school play a role here. I truly believe that this will be more and more important. People will think about this they will find ways how it can be implemented in day-to-day -day school reality. And I believe that's a good thing and worth uh, contributing to also as a publisher or as someone who operates schools um, or trains teachers, for instance. Okay, that's very interesting. Well, thanks very much, David. As usual, it has been enlightening talking with you. Thank you very much, Conrad. It was my pleasure. Thanks for listening to The Future of Schools with Connor Flynn. If you like our show and want to know more about the future of schools or Adaptomy, check us out at www.adaptomy.com or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us next week when we talk to another leading light in the world of educational technology.